and welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Craig. And I'm Todd. And we've been going through some requests lately, and we've been having a lot of fun doing that. But when we were talking about what we wanted to do this week, I brought up something that we have had on our list forever. It just crossed my mind again lately, uh, and I wanted to give it another look. Um, And so... This week, we are doing the year 2000s Ginger Snaps, uh, directed by John Fawcett. I picked this movie because I saw it a long time ago, probably, I don't know, not long after it came out. I've I've told this story before, so long-time listeners, you've heard this. You can just tone out for the next 30 seconds or whatever. But when I was doing my teaching internship, I was in another town. I didn't know anybody, and I'm not really the type to kind of go out on my own. So I spent a lot of time at home. And so my mom bought me a gift card to the local video store. And every day I would go and rent a new horror movie. And I think that this is one of the ones that I rented. I just remembered really enjoying it. And so I was looking forward to going back and seeing it again. And I have to say, I really wasn't disappointed. Have you seen this before, Todd? Yeah, I had. Oh, several years ago, started doing this deal during Halloween, where for the month of October, I would try to watch a horror movie a night and then write up a quick review of it and I would post it. And it was kind of an exercise for me, just an excuse to get to watch horror movies, kind of exercise my writing chops a little bit. This was before I had a son, (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I had that kind of time. And uh, I went back, and I was like, I'm pretty sure I watched this. And I went back and looked at my reviews, and sure enough, I had. And I glanced through it real quick and realized it was pretty glowing. So I was really looking forward to getting back to it uh, this time around. It's been probably four or five years. Uh, certainly not disappointed either. I was really happy to watch this movie again. It was Actually, it was cool because I didn't really remember it well enough to not be surprised by what was happening. That was one thing I actually wrote in my review that time. I said, this plot is just um, unpredictable. You really don't know where it's going to go. And that was one thing I think I really enjoyed about this movie the first time I saw it. And it struck me again the second time I saw it. I actually was surprised by how much I remembered it, watching it again this time around. And I guess that's a good thing. You know, it it made an impression on me. It's a werewolf movie. And, you know, I like werewolf movies fine. It's not like if somebody said, what's your favorite genre of horror? I would say, ooh, werewolf movies. But, (laughs) you know, I like them fine. But I just think this one is really clever because it uses the whole werewolf experience as kind of a metaphor for coming of age, specifically for women, you know, puberty and the cyclical nature of uh, menstruation kind of goes along well with the monthly nature of the whole werewolf or lycanthrope experience and i just thought it was really clever things are changing your body is changing you're growing hair in weird places you're getting (laughs) moody you're you know experiencing all these different urges and desires that you didn't have before and really (laughs) it it makes a lot of sense uh as a metaphor and it and it plays well as a metaphor in this movie while at the same time really 
just still being a straight up werewolf movie. Yeah. The interesting thing about werewolves as a monster, as a story, as a myth, is that it, it's really different, I think, from a lot of the others. It First of all, it's this monster within, right? You can walk mm-hmm. around during the day, presumably, you know, being normal, and you just hide this terrible secret inside. So there's this element of um, of this hidden secret. There's this self-control aspect to it as well. Like, nobody who is a werewolf, like, really wants to be one, right? At least, mm-hmm. I haven't really seen anybody take it another way. They just, they just are, and it's something they have to deal with. And so there's kind of this emotional aspect to it as well, this internal turmoil, like... Kind of like you said, like uh, where this this can also be cyclical with a person and they're going through urges and things like that. Well, all of us every day have kind of an inner part of ourselves that we kind of keep hidden from people, you know, and an inner monster, if you will. And so it's, you know, it's about keeping that secret hidden. And then, of course, you can't control it. And uh, it, every full moon or whatever, you come out and you're going to transform or every night or whatever the, you know, the story is going to be. But then once the person's a werewolf, they're just a freaking wolf, usually, you know, in these stories. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're half human, half wolf. I mean, you've seen some stuff like that with Wolfman and whatnot. But in general, the sort of werewolf stories kind of keep with that. And so you're a little limited at that point what you can do with the monster, right? Uh, you're not going to mm-hmm. talk to the werewolf. The werewolf's not going to have some intelligent conversation with somebody. It's just, it's just a wolf running around hunting people. And then in the morning, in a lot of these movies, it's like, oh, God, what did I do last night? I can't even remember, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> right. So it's an It's like college. It's like... <laughs> it's exactly like college. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it, in a way, the genre is a little limited. Like, it can spend a lot of time with the human and the human aspect of it. But once it gets to werewolf, you don't have a lot of room for drama. And uh, I don't know, it's not like a vampire movie where there's the seductive nature of where the monster is you know stalking you and, and it's is talking with you and kind of like worming his way in uh, it's not like the zombie thing where you know you transform into a zombie and that's it and you know they're just kind of mindlessly going at, at things i think they're just with werewolf movies in general there's just a lot more of this sort of drama <laughs> rather than horror aspect to it because Okay, then they turn into wolf. There's something horrible that happens. They can't control. And then in the morning, they've got to deal with whatever happened, right? It's kind of how the, how the stories go. And so, like, with this movie, I even, even when you go to IMDb, it calls it, like, a drama fantasy. It mm-hmm. doesn't even call it a horror movie, which is pretty stupid. I mean, it's definitely a horror movie. But oh, yeah. it's true that there's a lot more drama in here. It's a lot more about the relationship of these two sisters and how they're dealing with this change that slowly comes over her. And like you said, it's a perfect metaphor for, heck, just take out Werewolf and one sister's getting older faster than the other. Right. They're, they're, they're drawing apart. One, the, the younger sister doesn't know how to deal with the older one. And the older one's having a really hard time coping with her emotions and, and handling all this other stuff. And so there's all this tension within them and within their families and between their friends. And so it's great. Set it in a high school where all this crap's happening all the time, it's a pretty good formula for taking this werewolf story and, and making something really interesting out of it. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that that's why this movie works so well is the relationship between these two sisters. The premise uh, of the movie is um, you've got these two sisters, Bridget and Ginger. And another reason that I love this movie is because I love both of these actresses. Great. Uh, Bridget <laughs> is played by... Uh, Uh, Emily Perkins, who has done a ton of stuff, 
but I always remember her. She was Bev in yep. miniseries of It. The young Bev, and, yeah. And, yeah, and that was such a big movie in, in my childhood that I, I, I love her. And then um, Ginger is played by Catherine Isabel, who today, really, I mean, this was 2000. That's at this point a long time ago. But uh, today, Catherine Isabel really has established herself in the industry, particularly in horror. She's been in a lot. A lot, but she was in Freddy versus Jason. She played the title role in American Mary, which was a super, super dark, dark movie. But I thought that she was just spectacular in it. I almost looked it up. I didn't. I probably should just to be safe, but I didn't look up how old she was in this movie. But she's sexy. She's a very sexy girl. She's She's got a beautiful feminine figure, but she's also got, you know, just a really interesting face. These two play these death-obsessed <laughs> early aughts goth kind of sisters <laughs> yeah and it could have come across as so cliched but i think that these actresses are good enough that it comes across to me as genuine yeah did you feel that way I did. And you're right. I was so worried it would be cliche. You know, you're really kind of on guard against that. But it comes across so naturally the way that they do it. And I think the writing has a has a bit to do with it as well. The writing doesn't Mm -hmm. delve into that roll your eyes territory, but also Mm -hmm. the delivery is fantastic. And I mean, of course, you got to give credit to the director for it as well. But yeah, you're right. Their relationship is the core on which this movie's based. And if that ever felt false, it would totally fall apart. And here, I never, it never felt false. And even, you know, high school is like that anyway. We all put on, people run the gamut of putting on these personas, don't they? I mm-hmm. mean, we had yeah. our friends who were totally... You're searching for yourself. Yeah, yeah, you know, and so, I mean, even that, there's some leeway there for that as well. This, so these girls, they run around and they take pictures of, of each other in gory situations like they've just died, like under the backs of the of a car in the, in the driveway or with a pitchfork through their neck or something like that. They stage these scenes and then they sh- end up showing it to their class as part of a class project or whatever, sort of horrifies their teacher, but everybody else is like, wow, that's, that's pretty incredible. That they're known as the weird kids at school. Well, I, that that's the thing. In the beginning, the movie makes it sound like they are literally planning their own suicide yeah and um they they have this pact where they say they're going to be out by 16 or dead on the scene but together forever and that's the big part like we're it's us against the world i'm slitting my throat you should definitely hang maybe even your final moments of cliche around here not ours be ours will rock you don't think our deaths should be a little more than cheap entertainment You jazz me on this. Don't wuss out now. It's the idea of everyone staring at me just lying there. I mean, what if they just laugh? They'll be in awe. Suicide's like the ultimate fuck you. Come on, it's so us. And as it turns out, they're not really planning their suicide. They're just shooting these photographs. And so after, you know, this brief introduction to them, then we get the opening credits against the backdrop of these fake death shots. And I just thought the art direction in these photographs was 
amazing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they were so good. Really? Like, it's morbid and horrible, but so skillfully done. Like, I was just so impressed from the get-go. It's a good intro to these girls. And I guess I was reading on uh, IMDb that they had to sh- that they shot all this kind of in a day or two on location in some house in some neighborhood. And uh, they ran around the different places like the backyard and the front yard and the garage and the inside the house and used the basement of the house to change and into new clothes and do makeup and whatnot. And and somebody had to usher the four-year-old girl who's lived at that house like away when they were doing some of these things. And they were a little worried they were going to disturb the neighbors by shooting all these gory little scenes. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, for, for something that was, again, put together so quickly, it comes across really well. And it's a good intro to these girls. It's a good intro to their personality. It sets a really creepy tone to the movie Mm -hmm. but the movie never gets that dark it has the promise of being a super dark movie like um what we just saw may not long ago which Mm -hmm. is extremely dark this movie doesn't it doesn't approach at all in fact it it really veers into the comedic black comedy more or less uh, in many ways and i think even these seem darkly comedic if you saw these photos just as um if they're presented as crime scene photos, they'd be horrible. But they're these girls, and you know what's going on. And then in between showing the photos, they're showing like a few like videos of them setting up the scenes and like hurry up and take the picture. This is uncomfortable stuff like that. And so it lends a playfulness to it as well. I think it does a good job of setting a tone, a good tone for the movie. Yeah, and you know something you said, it, it gets into the darkly comedic. I want to talk about the plot, and I, I took so many notes because I was just enjoying it so much. But that was one of the things that I really liked about the movie. Like I feel like it starts out kind of dark, and and you have this certain expectation, and then when it gets maybe about halfway through, maybe a little less, maybe. A little more it does go for a little bit of the black comedy but i never felt like the tone was uneven like it just worked Mm -hmm. for me It, it balanced the darkness with some humor and then also the relationship between the two girls is kind of a beautiful thing they're so close and their bond is so strong and when you see that being threatened and weakening it tugged at my heartstrings Mm. and and i really liked that difference in tone throughout yeah i see the comedy is is just arising naturally from the situation you know as the plot gets more and the situation gets more absurd then it's like the movie acknowledges the absurdity of the situation like you know people in real life might eventually kind of like oh my god now this you know sort of sort of moments you know when you're faced with this just an escalating series of more and more ridiculous things that are going on i don't mean ridiculous as an implausible i just mean ridiculous as in it just goes everywhere like the plot just goes in so many different directions and it just escalates out of control for both of these girls by the end of the movie that at some point somebody's got to look at it and crack a joke you know (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Right. Well, there are a couple of things going on. First of all, they live in this small town called Bailey Downs. And, uh, you know, we see the sign, like the town sign. It says a safe and caring community or whatever. (laughs) But they think that there's a wild animal on the loose because people's pets keep showing up mangled and dead. Um, So that's going on in the backdrop. Meanwhile, Ginger is changing. She's getting boobies. Her back 
hurts. Boys are starting to notice her. And so it sets it up immediately that she's becoming a woman. They make a point of saying that for both of these young women, Bridget and Ginger, they're both late in this transitional part of their life. Ginger is supposed to be 16 and Bridget is supposed to be 15. And neither of them has had their first menstrual cycle yet. And so this is when Ginger is going through it for the first time. Meanwhile, they're dealing with the things that everybody, I think girls especially, deal with in school where boys are ogling them and other girls are picking on them. And they play field hockey a lot. <laughs> Was this filmed in Canada? I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember playing field hockey a lot in Definitely. high school, but that's all they do. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely Canada. This is a Canadian production. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Bridget gets tripped by you know the mean girl trina and she falls right into this corpse of this dead dog i that part was kind of funny to me because it's like they've been playing field hockey for a long time and then all of a sudden she gets tripped into this dead dog like they just didn't notice that it was there <laughs> <laughs> this completely mangled ripped into two pieces a uh, bloody dead dog in the middle of the field yeah right right uh-huh. And so t- to get revenge, Trina has this Rottweiler. The sisters plan to steal it and set up a gruesome scene, much like their pictures, to make Trina think that her dog has been a victim to this beast, whatever it is. Um, so they've got that plan. Then there's a popular boy, I guess, Jason, who is showing interest in Ginger. We also meet the girl's parents. Their dad is so absent. Like, he's just vacant and and (laughs) really, like, not even a character at all. Like, he's just there (laughs) to, like, nod. But their mom is played by Mimi Rogers. And she's great. Yeah, she really is really... She brings something interesting to a character that I think could have been so boring and stupid, but she plays it well. I, I, You know, I found myself caring for her and being intrigued by her motivations and things too for sure and she just again struck the right balance of being this kind of i want to say wacky but just this um overly sincere mother who's very interested Mm -hmm. in her daughters uh, and but but also like the mothers of most teenagers is is not going to be able to help much (laughs) because the teenagers are constantly rolling their eyes at her you know, she's from another era. How can she possibly really relate to us and what we're going through now, even though she is sincerely trying to help in so many ways? I, I You know, just to jump ahead, I just <laughs> there's just one scene that's perfect, perfectly exemplifies this. And that's when the one daughter, she's trying to hide a body and yeah. the, the mom is just at the verge of discovering it. When the daughter thinks of the only thing that she can think of that's going to distract the mother and to divert her attention for the body she's about to look at. And that is. What do boys want, mom? <laughs> Which is yeah. the kind of question <laughs> their mom has been begging to answer for them through the yeah. whole movie. Like, if you need anything, just talk to me. If you want anything, I'm here. You're going through all these changes, you know, and, and I just want you to know I'm there for you and I'm here to talk. And the next scene, she's sitting down there. <laughs> she's got a, a plate of cookies, <laughs> and three glasses uh-huh. of milk, and, and sitting on the sofa. Well, that's what men want. 
might seem cool or different, but they're all pretty much the same. Totally. Thanks for sharing. Oh, honey, that's what we're here for. Yeah. Bedtime. It's a school night. Meanwhile, the other two are like staring at the floor like it's the most painful experience of their lives trying to sit through this. (laughs) There are so many good parts with her. And like she's so put together, but like in such a silly way, like her her hairstyles are silly. But, you know, every hair is in just the right place. And she's just kind of this picture perfect mom and there's one point like where they're having dinner and there's a huge ham on the table and i'm like my god you're having a ham for dinner (laughs) like there's only four of you and you cooked a whole ham and then they show the dad and the dad's eating fried chicken like (laughs) what (laughs) dude i didn't even notice that that's funny. <laughs> and and there's a, a part where the mom is trying once Ginger starts changing even more, there's a part where the mom tries to intervene and Bridget says to her, No mom, Ginger really likes it that you let us figure things out for ourselves. And it's like the mom is so touched. She's like, Oh, I'm so glad you guys noticed like yeah. <laughs> like that's like that's her that's how she's decided to parent just kind of take this hands off approach you know just they'll figure it out you know good job Mimi Rogers yeah. I I was impressed with her anyway the girls go out to do this prank before they get there they're in a park and they stumble upon another dead dog and they comment like it, it, it too is a Rottweiler and Ginger's like, oh, great. Well, now we'll have a body that will freak Trina out even more. And they go to pick it up, but it's totally like dismembered. And so they can't. And, but they they note that it is still warm. Bridget says to Ginger, you got some on you. And we get a shot of Ginger's thighs and blood running down her thighs and she says oh shit i just got the curse which mm-hmm. i thought was just such a clever line yeah you know like because <laughs> people really call it that mm-hmm. but it matches up so well with that idea of werewolfism lycanthropy whatever you want to call it and then immediately ginger is attacked by something and dragged off Bridget is hearing her scream and she's running around trying to find her, but she can't find her. And eventually Ginger reappears and they they start trying to run together, but she's immediately uh, attacked again and she's just being horribly mauled. It's a wolf. I mean, it's a werewolf. Yeah. Um, she beat she beats at it with her Polaroid camera on a strap and gets it to go away momentarily the camera goes off and they go off running and they run across the street and the wolf is in pursuit but it gets hit and killed by this drug dealer's van you know we've seen this drug dealer before but we don't really know him yet we get to know him later they go back home and uh ginger is terribly wounded but she doesn't want Bridget to tell anybody she doesn't want to go to the hospital and she says it's okay I already feel better and her wounds are already 
healing yep. really super quickly. And when Ginger cleans herself up and goes to sleep, Bridget like pries the Polaroid out of her camera and she sees the picture of the wolf. And from this point on, Ginger starts changing. But that's when I think that the movie is particularly clever because all these changes that she goes through, growing hair in weird places, mm-hmm. being moody, bleeding. having this new <laughs> bleeding. Ha- yeah, having this you know, newfound interest in things that she wasn't interested in before, carnal interests like lust. All of it could be explained by puberty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It also could be explained by becoming a werewolf. But, (laughs) you know, the much more logical conclusion would be that she's just she's becoming a woman. I just thought it was so clever. Yeah, (laughs) it's really clever. It it is. And then a lot of this, the, the movie, what takes it in directions that I wasn't expecting and what makes it kind of unpredictable is its insistence on focusing on these two girls' relationships. You know, a movie like this could just be this woman's slow turn into a werewolf and her having to deal with it. And it's a fairly predictable path that it's soon going to become unmanageable for her and there are going to be more and more killings. It's going to be harder for her to hide and blah, blah, blah. But in this case, it really the film really gets grounded in the relationship between these two. And it's like, here's the one girl who's not going through werewolfism or puberty who's feeling left behind. You know, it's kind of a little bit of that tension we see in, you know, like something wicked this way comes where these two really close friends, really close in age. And one is afraid of being left behind. And and her sister, who's going through this at the same time, she can't relate to it and she can't cope with it. And she kind of hates to see that she's interested in guys all of a sudden. And before they used to make fun of other people, uh, make fun of these Mm -hmm. guys and, and these these what they say sluts and whatever like that. And now she sees her sister making out with this dude you know hot and heavy in the middle of the day and you know on the side of a car this could just be her going through puberty and we get the same kind of drama right so it's uh it's really interesting in that way and that's what keeps the plot interesting is because the younger sister really becomes very protective of her and is really trying to solve the problem she she kind of catches on fairly early as to what's going on because she meets up with a guy who was driving a, a van he's like the local drug dealer He doesn't Mm -hmm. go to the school, but, you know, he's a younger guy. He's probably in his 20s. And he's the one who hits the wolf. Destroys it, I guess. Destroys the wolf. That's the idea that we get. He seeks her back out because he's kind of curious as to what this thing was. See, I flatten an animal. Furry, all fours. Could be anything. But here I am thinking, I can throw. Oh, that's crazy, huh? Book me into the rubber motel. I'm officially all f***ed up, right? What if you're not... Well, that would explain the human circumcised dick and why you're running for your life from it. And so they kind of form this little alliance as uh, the younger sister gets more and more worried about Ginger. They kind of band up a little bit to try to find ways to cure her. So there's that aspect of the movie going on. Uh, At the same time, Ginger is slowly trying to deal with things on her own. Right. And she does start to go through changes. and, And like she's bleeding heavily so they go talk to the nurse and the nurse just talks to them about periods it's kind of a darkly comedic in the vein of heather's scene but i mean that's the logical explanation yeah a thick syrupy voluminous discharge is not uncommon the bulk of the uterine lining is shed within the first few days contractions cramps 
squeeze it out like a pump. In three to five days, you'll find lighter, bright red bleeding. That may turn to a brownish or blackish sludge, which signals the end of the flow. Okay, so it's all normal. Very. Expected every 28 days, give or take, for the next 30 years. <laughs> uh, I just thought the balance of the natural and the supernatural, like the lady could have been talking about either. It doesn't really make any difference. It's just this is what is happening. And mm. they're both disturbed by it. Yeah. And it's impossible to stop. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So anyway, what Ginger does is just sort of a series of things. She ends up getting together with this Jason guy. Uh, and they have unprotected sex uh, in the back of the car, which turns out to be pretty bad for him because then he starts to exhibit these werewolf tendencies, but in a more, much more sickly and panicky fashion. You know, this movie is really good from a female perspective. For once, the women in this movie are strong and they're kind of in control yeah. or they're trying to get in control. They're not painted as helpless victims. From a feminist perspective, I think this movie really... Uh, is clever you know even when she's having sex with him in the back uh, seat of the car she starts to get a little a little aggressive with him and of course it's her werewolf tendency coming out but once again it could just be her like uh-huh. who she is yeah and he says whoa whoa hold on and she's like what is it? am i too strong for you and he's like look i'm the man here and that pisses her off and she pins him down and says oh you're the man huh <laughs> And she just starts tearing into him. <laughs> and I thought, well, hell yeah, you know, this is this is good, right? It's a good subversion of these uh, tired tropes and um, stereotypes that we have. And then at the end of it, it's, the movie's quite clever because we kind of think that maybe she ripped this kid apart and killed him. Yeah. It's so smart. Like she goes to the home and she's like... In, in the bathroom throwing up and the sister comes in and discovers her and she's, oh, and covered, she's with covered with blood. blood. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I did, you know, I did, and whatever. And she's like, oh, you're kidding me. Where is, where is he? And she says, next door. And the sister looks over the edge of the fence. And then you realize they're talking about the dog. She attacked the neighbor's dog afterwards. Right. The little yappy dog. Norman. But the, the, <laughs> the other thing that, and, and you've already alluded to it, but that's one of the things, you know, Ginger's going through these changes. And like, on the one hand, at some points, she looks kind of rough. It's kind of, uh, you know, maybe a heightened version of like acne or skin problems or whatever that it's not over the top, but you notice that she's not looking as good as she did before. But then immediately after that, she starts to embrace her sexuality. Whereas before she always dressed in these big baggy Mm, clothes. Yes. Now she's wearing these tight fitting clothes. And like I said, she's got a beautiful figure and people are taking, notice it's almost like she you know the first day she dresses sexy she walks in and she's a little bit nervous about it for a second until she starts getting all this attention and then it's like yeah bitch that's that's a fantastic down the hall that's a fantastic shot it's exactly what you state and it all happens in slow motion and you see the change on her face in the span of maybe i don't know 12 paces Mm-hmm. But it happens slowly and gradually and very skillfully. And it's not just like that slow motion of people turning and whoa kind of thing. But it's the look on her face changing from, oh, my God, I'm really stepping out here and doing something new to, yeah, this is all right. This is me. 
You know, this is the new me. And yeah. It's really, really good. Yeah. But along with these, you know, normal growing up changes, she's also changing in other ways. She's the claw marks on her shoulder are particularly hairy and she's concerned about that. And she's growing a tail, <laughs> which is problematic. <laughs> and that's and that's kind of how like this this messes a little bit with the our typical werewolf legend is that she's slowly transforming. It's not like full moon comes out and this girl's going to be a hundred percent. Well, maybe I think the notion is that she's slowly transforming over time so that by the time that full moon day hits, she will be 100% werewolf instead of you're normal all the time with this terrible secret inside. And then when the full moon comes out and the clouds part, you know, suddenly you undergo this five minute transformation. So she's got to hide all these things too, right? What to deal with. (laughs) So, so funny. I love her, I love that scene where they're taping her tail. Her sister is literally taping her tail to her legs so that she can hide it underneath her her shorts while she's out playing uh, field hockey. Yeah, and I thought <laughs> I thought that was maybe a little nod to the boys. Like <laughs> boys go through changes during this time too, and yep. sometimes <laughs> things just pop up, and you gotta find. <laughs> that's right. That's why. That's why elastic waistbands in your underwear are your friend in <laughs> high school. <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> also, also very difficult to hide at times <laughs> <laughs> right oh dude but all this time bridget is is trying to solve this problem at this point it seems like ginger she kind of sees this as being problematic but at the same time she's enjoying some aspects of it too yeah. so she's not particularly concerned about fixing it bridget is trying to fix it and she is working with drug dealer sam and they talk about you know, silver purifying the blood. And so he gives her a pure silver earring and they pierce Ginger's belly button with it in a somewhat erotic scene. Mm. Um, (laughs) Like I kind of equate it to getting a tattoo. Like it Uh, hurts, but it's almost like, Oh, hurts so good. Like, (laughs) (laughs) but that ends up not, working but he also tells them about monkshood because you know he's a drug dealer so he understands like pharmaceuticals I guess. <laughs> I guess. he's the local <laughs> neighborhood pharmaceutical distributor <laughs> right um i guess the next big thing that happens is trina the mean girl is ticked off because she's into sam the drug dealer and sam the drug dealer appears to be showing interest in bridget and now both of these sisters have guys after them and i guess it makes trina jealous so while they're playing field hockey again trina checks bridget and and throws her on the ground and like you see ginger and then you almost hear like a growl like come up inside Mm. her and she just attacks trina they go and visit sam and not only is ginger changing physically but her personality is changing too she's becoming much more seductive and aggressive To the point where she's disregarding Bridget to some extent. It it seems like Bridget 
maybe, maybe, maybe not. It doesn't really matter. But Sam's kind of her guy. And Ginger seems to want to kind of flirt with him a little bit, too. After they visit him and he tells them about the monk, hood and whatever blah blah ginger is aggressive and so bridget sends her home ahead of her and when bridget goes to go home trina is waiting at their house and she says give me back my dog your sister took my dog i saw her do it so they get into it and they end up in the house and ginger's there too and ginger's being very aggressive like she might hurt trina but then actually just by sheer accident Trina slips and falls and hits her head on the counter and dies. Yeah. And they have to hide it and cover it up. And like their parents are coming home and there's blood everywhere. And they very cleverly just make it look like it's one of their gory death shoots. Yeah. Uh, And isn't this interesting at this point in the movie? You would have expected the scene to go where Ginger would have killed her, right? Yeah. But it right. turns out to be uh-huh. an accident. I mean, it took me by surprise that that, that that we really weren't willing to paint Ginger 100% as this kind of sort of murderous person yet. I don't know. You know, it just would have been a natural escalation of the situation and the story to make that happen. But her death ends up being an accident. And so Ginger is still innocent of taking anything but a dog's life at this point. I, I don't know. What did you yeah. think of that? I don't know. I thought that it, it was an unexpected plot point. I expected Ginger to kill her because I was just waiting for that to happen. I felt like that was an inevitability that she was going to kill somebody and then they were going to have to cover it up, which does eventually happen, but not yet. And that surprised me. I also loved this scene because again, I can't say enough about Catherine Isabel. I think she's fantastic. I love that when she's confronted by these moments and confronted by her parents, that she can just turn it on. Mm, Like, yeah, sometimes, sometimes when she's just talking to her mom, she's very snarky and very much just like a teenage girl. But in these moments where she has to cover for herself, she, puts a big old smile on her face and she's all of a sudden just, hi mommy, Uh," you know, very endearing. (laughs) Again, it's, it's entirely manipulative, but she does it so well. And so much is going on. You know, one of the things that we haven't mentioned much is that Ginger continues to evolve. Her, Uh, transformation is slow but so good her nails start to become brittle there are subtle changes in her face Um, her teeth are sharpening and looking noticeably different it is a little bit unbelievable that nobody really notices that yeah especially her parents well and and she's talking with kind of a lispy sound in her mouth now with the teeth in there and that would be hard to not notice too because it's noticeable right (laughs) my favorite thing about this movie is that the director said no cgi yeah he only wanted practical effects i think the makeup work is so good yeah because it's gradual it's so gradual over time but by the end when it's still Catherine isabel and not somebody in a suit she is so changed and you can tell i mean if you're being really super 
critical and and looking with a bird's eye you can tell that it's makeup but i don't care it looks real and yeah. tangible it doesn't look like a cartoon i i just love practical effects love yeah. me some practical effects <laughs> <laughs> basically a lot of stuff goes on they end up getting in trouble trina's dead obviously people are looking for her bridget tells ginger you're out of control you just have to stay in the house which ginger is not happy about somehow ginger ends up at school and gets called into the guidance office to be questioned about this murder and she kills the guidance counselor yeah and bridget's like oh my god i can't believe this like and so the plan that they come up with is we're going to get this cleaned up as best we can we're going to get this cure which is the monk's hood then we're going to run away together and we know that the monk's hood works because they make up a batch of it like they're making heroin or whatever <laughs> um I don't know how any of that works, but that's what it looks like in movies when they do heroin, like boiling it in the spoon or whatever. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's this is this guy's laboratory. It's how he's used to work. Yeah, <laughs> she Bridget uses it on Jason, who Ginger had infected earlier, and it, it it appears to work. Then what I feel like was kind of a major turning point is that she kills this custodian yeah. who has been nothing but nice. In fact, he's been very, very nice to Bridget, and Ginger knows that. And so the other people that she's injured or killed have had questionable character. This guy was a nice man yeah. who did not deserve what was coming to him. And I think that that was a turning point. That was showing that she is completely out of control. Ginger has snapped. <laughs> yep. She, yeah. Yeah. Which and the, even the title is the title's clever. clever. Yeah, so clever. <laughs> it's a cookie. She's snapped, and you know You're a werewolf right. can snap its jaws. I mean, it's a, it's a good title. <laughs> it's very clever. At this point, she's totally vicious and hurt. She looks vicious. You like it? It feels so good, Bridget. It's, it's like touching yourself. You know, every move, right on the fucking dot. And after, see fucking fireworks, supernovas, and a goddamn force of nature. I feel like I could do just about anything. She even gets seductive with Bridget and says something like, we're almost not even related anymore. Yeah. But <laughs> but she also pulls out that card. We have a pact. And so Bridget uh, is still trying to help her. Meanwhile, it's somewhat inconsequential overall to uh, the plot. But the mom finds Trina, the dead girl. Yeah. And so while Bridget is trying to track down Ginger, this is Halloween night, by the way. This is a great Halloween movie. Yeah. If you haven't seen this movie, watch it on Halloween. It's a great Halloween movie. She finds Trina and she picks up Bridget off the street and says, where's your sister? Bridget says she's at the greenhouse. That's where this big Halloween party is going down. And then the mom has this great scene where she shows Bridget the fingers 
that she found. It's one thing if you leave. It's it's almost normal, but no one's going to take you from me. First thing tomorrow, I'll let the house fill up with gas and I'll light a match. What? We'll start fresh, just as girls. It'll be fun. What about Dad? He'll just play me. They all will. And Bridget says, but it, this isn't your fault. And the mom so sincerely says, yes, it is. And that's just it. Like, that's the end of the scene. Like, uh-huh. she takes she takes responsibility for it. Like, I, I guess her hands-off approach, she realized, has not worked. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting. Like, this element in the is. movie, I was not expecting this element, you know? And, and that's what makes this mother more than just a cartoon character. Oh, the goofy mom who's totally out of touch with her daughters. She really cares, and she's willing to go that extra mile. And it also makes it a little funny, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. It's just a little funny that suddenly mom is willing to get in on all this, too, which is not what you expected when she pulled up uh, in that car and said, get in, right? <laughs> yeah, and it is funny, but because it's not played for comedy, mm-hmm. it works that much better, I think. Yeah. Like, it's played completely sincerely. Yeah, there's certainly humor there, but they're not, it's they're not, not making a punchline. No, you're right. right. Uh, and it just really works for me. This all leads up, okay, so they get to the party, it's a big, great Halloween party, Ginger at this point is in the final stages of her transformation. Her hair has turned completely white. Her face has morphed a lot. So like, you know, the bridge of her nose has vastly widened. Her teeth are all sharp and pointy. Her nails, of course, she's still hiding her tail. But we know that her tail at this point point is long like a dog's tail mm-hmm. i don't know how she's hiding it in these skimpy little outfits that she's wearing but and at the party she tries to seduce sam and sam turns her away he comes across as a really endearing character there's a really interesting moment before trina dies where she confronts bridget and she says don't trust him i feel like she calls him like a cherry picker or something like that mm, yeah. like she says he's into virgins and he just wants to take girls virginity don't fall for it i wish just for once one girl wouldn't fall for it as though she had Mm-hmm. Um, and it it calls into question his character, but that's really the only time because the actor who plays him makes him very endearing. Yeah, but I thought that it was an interesting point. Anyway, well, it's nonetheless, inter- well, it's interesting because even in the midst of all of this with the werewolf and this drama, we still have this high school stuff going on, right? Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> her sister is a little jealous that she's got this guy and then she's going to go and she's going to seduce him and she's trying to turn him away from her and she's rolling her eye. The guy's saying to her, I don't even think of you that way. Like, <laughs> there's all this high school mm-hmm. stuff still going on in the midst of this. But again, it's not played for comedy. It's dead serious. Yeah. So Ginger breaks Sam's arm. At least it certainly sounds like that. But then he runs around for the next 20 minutes, seemingly fine. So I don't know what's going on. Who knows what happened to him? Um, The way that Bridget gets Ginger to continue to trust her, I suppose, is that she cuts both of their hands and they swap blood. And, And Bridget says, 
you wrecked everything about me that wasn't you. Now I am you. And Ginger says, I know you are, but what am I? And <laughs> I thought that was so freaking clever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what, you know, that stupid thing that kids say to each other. But in this context, yeah, it resonance. was so heavy. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know you are, but what am I? Like, she doesn't even know what she is anymore and what all of this means. They go to leave, but Sam knocks Ginger out and Bridget's like, what are you doing? I just got her to trust me. But uh, they they get her in the back of his van and they head back to their house so that they can get the monk's hood so that they can cure them both. But meanwhile... In the back of the van, Ginger is going through her final transformation, and she transforms fully into a werewolf. And so they get back to the house, and Ginger breaks out of the back of the van and is running around the house, destroying everything. Sam and Bridget end up in a closet trying to prepare the monk's hood, which they do. Sam tries to get Bridget just to take it herself and then leave with him, but she won't leave her sister. And so Sam says, all right, well, I'll go hide in the living room. You lure her to me. I'll jump out and inject her and it will all be over. And that's what they're going to do. But as soon as he steps out of the closet, he's attacked. That was shocking. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I I didn't have high hopes for Sam. <laughs> no, but I, but I expected more of a showdown, you know? I mean, you kind of think you're coming up to this scene where he's like, all right, let's go, and the two of them are going to, I mean, he's probably going to die, but, you know, there would be some fight to it. No, the minute he dugs out of there, he doesn't even get out of the closet. He's pulled out of it and torn to pieces. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Well, she, she rips him up, and there's blood everywhere, and Bridget, he drops the syringe, so she's got it, and she follows the trail of blood down there, and Sam is sitting up against the wall, totally mauled, but he's, like, panting, and based on what we had seen earlier in the movie, my understanding was that the only reason he wasn't dead was because he was now infected and you know his werewolfy powers were keeping him from actually dying but bridget in an attempt to try to keep ginger trusting her crawls up to sam and starts to eat his blood and the two of them ginger and bridget sit there on either side of him licking up blood for a while <laughs> it's like an unholy um, threesome <laughs> it is it is it is but eventually bridget vomits and says i can't do it and i i won't do it and then that leads up to the ultimate the the finale yeah, and the finale's interesting. It's kind of clever because at this point, this woman's a full werewolf. And actually, I liked the effect here. It wasn't, it still looked like a puppet or whatever. At times, a puppet, at very quick times, a man in a suit. But I thought it was skillfully enough filmed that it looked good. And I, I loved it. I, I loved thought it, it looks great. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so anyway, there's just kind of a scene, and they end up back in their bedroom, which is where they started the movie, mm -hmm. right? Which is the, the place where the two of them have their pact and whatever. And there's an interesting face-off where finally Bridget's backed in the corner. Ginger, as the werewolf, is slowly advancing on her. And Bridget says, I am not going to die in this room with you. Mm -hmm. She's renouncing mm -hmm. the pact. And in one hand, she has the cure, and in the other hand, she has the knife that she picked up off the ground. It was the same knife that right. uh, Ginger was using to try to cut off her tail. And Ginger leaps at her. 
she ends up landing on the knife and that's enough to take her down i guess it takes her yep. the heart or something uh, it's sad <laughs> it's really sad it's so sad i mean because she's laying there dying and bridget goes over to her and just holds her and ginger stops breathing and she dies and we see them there together and then it shows us all of their pictures taped up all over yeah. their wall of the two of them before all this had happened. And it just broke my heart. Yeah. Like so sad. And I, I, you know, I feel like the metaphor is extended there too. Like, you know, maybe these types of relationships don't end in death, but sometimes these close relationships die yeah. when one person grows up and leaves the other person behind. And uh, seriously, like I, I finished the movie and I went and, and sat back with my partner and he was like, how was it? And I was like, it was really good. It was really sad. And he was like a sad horror movie. And he said, <laughs> yes, it was heartbreaking. <laughs> it was so sad. And it just, the, the camera lingers on them there together for a while. And then the credits roll. That's it. And, uh, that's all you that's get. That's it. And now uh, I've, I've got a question for you here because I, I, I don't know how to interpret this. She's standing there, she's got the knife in one hand, and she has the cure in the other hand, and they're facing off, and she looks at Ginger, and she says, you want this, don't you? And she waves the cure in the air. Uh Now, did Ginger leap intentionally onto the knife instead of onto that syringe? I don't think so. I think what she meant when she said, do you want this, was you want to get it away from me. Oh. I I think at this point, Ginger did not want to be... Cured. cured really um just just that that's my that's my take on it i i mean i think that she was going whether or not she planned to kill bridget or turn her i don't think well she was already turned that's true so yeah. i i i think that uh i think that her carnal nature had just completely taken over you think that you think that she was completely out of control out of control of herself she was no longer ginger no no longer able to think rationally or do you think that in some way she was like trying her best to fulfill her side of the pact no it it could be either one but i think either way she meant to kill her (sighs) oh it's it's a it's a great great movie i i i loved it the first time i saw it and uh, i was just going back and reading my little review of it there and yeah i gushed over it then in print and I think we're, we've been gushing over it here now on the podcast. It's a fantastic film, well acted, well shot, just really well written, extremely clever. And yeah. uh, I would strongly suggest that if you're into this kind of, you know, if you want to see a really good, a good, good horror movie that's going to make you think and it's going to tug at your heartstrings quite, quite a bit, uh, you got to go and seek this one out. And there's sequels too, right? I, you've yeah. probably seen them. Yeah, I bet. I have. The sequels are are kind of a mixed bag. I mean, I still enjoyed them because both original actresses appear in both of them. Catherine Isabel isn't in the second one very much, but I'm pretty Mm. sure she's in it. I don't remember if it's just like in dream sequences or if she, like her spirit appears. I don't really remember, but I remember liking it, the second one. And then the third one, again, I liked it, but it was really kind of cheap because really all they did was do the exact same movie again set in a different time period. Like it was oh. like, 
in colonial times and these were supposed to be ginger and bridget's ancestors what? who were also sisters and looked exactly like them and oh went through the exact same thing god are you kidding me <laughs> no <laughs> i mean i i still enjoyed them but they they don't live up to the original you talked about the writing the woman who wrote this was reluctant to write it uh, because of the way that women are typically portrayed in horror. And the director, who she had worked with before, told her, no, that's that's why we're doing it. We're going to subvert that. And, and I think that they did, but not in a way that seems forced. Just, you know, these are really interesting characters. They're not just fodder for you know male fantasies of what women are or bodies to pile up you know these are interesting characters that you come to care about i came to care about them and i cared about their relationship and i give this one a glowing endorsement i had forgotten how much i liked it and so i'm glad that we uh, came back to revisit it because I, I think that I enjoyed it as much this time around as the first time, if not more. I will surely watch it again Me too. in the future. Me too. And a good Halloween movie, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Lots of Halloween decorations and costumes and fun stuff. That being said, Halloween, October is our favorite month here on the podcast. And we have been doing this for long enough now that um, we're stretching for ideas for great Halloween movies. So if you have any recommendations for us, let us know. I'm sure we'll come up with something. But if you uh, know something that we maybe haven't done in the past, shoot us a request and we'll see what we can do. Yep. Anyway, if you liked this podcast, uh, you can find us all over the place. We are on Facebook. We have our own website, which is twoguys.red40net.com. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and really, you can find us just by Googling us. We uh, Anywhere you get your podcasts, uh, you will find us. Until next time, I'm Craig. And I'm Todd. With two guys and a chainsaw.